Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Good afternoon, everyone. This is your call to worship. Today is the first Saturday of July, July 1st, 2023. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Nelson Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve targeted individuals in North America and around the world. To our regular members, our new listeners and guests, thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us, and thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor, making a way even when we don't see it. Our serving team today is our pastor, Reverend Dr. Milson Black, who will serve as our Zoom moderator. Sister Sharon Taylor serves as our minister of music. Pastor, no, there will not be an altar prayer today due to the communion service. Pastor Millicent will deliver the preached word. Sister Greta Ayers will offer the invitation to discipleship. And I, Carolyn Cunningham, will serve as your worship leader. As today is the first Saturday of the month, we will be offering the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion. So sometime before we arrive at that point in the service, please gather your elements of a piece of bread or cracker, host, water, juice, or wine to prepare yourselves. We ask all of you on this call to pray in your daily prayers for refuge from the storm church members, the worldwide church, our families and friends, PIs around the world, advocacy and and activist groups, the loved ones of those who've died from targeting. Also pray for all government officials to be moved by the Holy Spirit to discern the will of God, do it and not do their will. Please pray for world peace, all refugees, the worldwide climate crisis, the Haitian people and the Sudanese people. Pray for all victims of gun violence, stabbings and all violence and their families. Pray for all children, especially those being trafficked, and pray for TIs who have had their children unjustly taken away by an unjust court system. Pray for the unhoused, both targeted and untargeted, to obtain housing that will enable them to have peace without satanic frequencies harming them. Thank you for your attention. Now I will sing the opening praise and worship song. After that, I will lead you to the rest of the worship service. As a friendly reminder, please mute your phone if there's any background noise where you are by pressing star six and be best. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, fill this room. 
I wonder if while she was singing, you were busy asking the Holy Spirit to fill the room that you are sitting in or maybe laying in or some may be lounging in a room in a house or someone may be sitting in the car and that may become the room that you'll ask the Holy Spirit's presence to fill. But we are free to invite the Holy Spirit in when we feel like we need to know, feel more of his presence, when we don't feel quite enough of the power of God moving and at work in our lives, we can ask the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh and anew, give us new gladness, give us new joy, give us new love for God, new appreciation for who he is and for what Jesus has done for us. Holy Spirit, fill this place. And then I had my, my hand on my body asking him to fill this place, fill this room with your presence and your power. God bless each of you this afternoon. I am so happy that we are meeting here together in praise and worship and love and adoration to our father, the most high God. I give thanks and praise to him for each of you that are with us today. I don't take it lightly that you're here because you could have been any other place. You could have chosen to do any other thing, gone off with any other person, but instead you chose to come and join us in this worship experience. I'm always proud and feel it necessary to acknowledge and to say thank you to the ministry team and all who participate in the services each week, as well as to our advisory board so thank you for the part that you're playing, what God is doing in this hour, how you are helping and supporting me, as well as the church of the living God, as we are about kingdom building. To God be the glory. We live all across these United States, from California to Ohio, Kentucky to Washington State, Texas to Tennessee to Maryland. And you would not know that we are working together by means of telephone, uh, Zoom call, talk shoe, but it's virtual. And God gives us the grace to do it, we pray, to his glory and to his honor. Our scripture this afternoon, the end of May, actually, the, very, the fourth Saturday in May, I started what I said to you I would be a series and the series regarded the man in the middle. Uh, that was just before Ascension Sunday, the time that Jesus ascended into heaven and who he was going to be sending back down a Pentecost was the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord in the upper room and down came the Holy Spirit. Jesus had said to them, if I don't go, the spirit cannot come. And so Jesus ascended and just as he promised, the Holy Spirit came and filled the people in that house. And the Bible says that they all spoke with other tongues as clothing fire seemingly fell on them. And so this afternoon, we're having a second um, sermon from the book of Acts chapter 10, verses 34 
through 43 are the ones that I'll be reading, but I encourage you to read chapters 10 and 11 yourself and see how God incorporated the Gentiles into the church. It was so exciting as I began to read and understand what God was showing me. I, I started early in the week asking God, what do I do now? What, what am I going to be talking about this week? And I was, I think I went to the internet and typed in today's devotion. And today's devotion was found in Acts chapter 10. And it, I took some reading as I went back and opened the Bible and read the whole script, uh, the whole chapter or the whole passage and began to see that God is still showing us about the man in the middle, the man in the middle. So as I read, those of you with your Bibles, feel free to read along with me. I'll be reading 34 through 43, and then I'm going to swing back and read 34 through 39 and stop. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation where whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. You all listen very carefully. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. And verses 34 through 39, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of Jew the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God. 
and I'll stop there. To witnesses chosen before by God. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, just like the young lady who I heard years and years and years ago, God, they stood around in a circle down in the front of the church, God, young people all came to praise and worship you. And a little girl opened her mouth and said, well, God, here I am again. Lord, here I am again. I'm here, God, with your people. I'm here, God, with your word, asking that you would bless both, oh God. Fill us afresh and anew, God, with your spirit. Let us know, oh God, the fullness of your power. Help us, oh God, to recognize the glory of your presence. Lord, I pray today in the name of Jesus that you would give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the church. God, don't let us miss it. Don't let us miss this hour of visitation. Don't let us miss this time of your presence. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And so this is the continuation of the man in the middle. But today's uh, topic is we are witnesses. We are witnesses. As I read through those scriptures between chapters 34 and 43, the word witness came up three times. And I, I began to think about various places where witnesses are found. We find witnesses in a courtroom, you know, they will tell what they saw or what they heard concerning the defendant or the plaintiff. We have witnesses at the scene of an accident and we were told that no matter how many people you take an uh, testimony from at the scene of an accident, no two people have seen it alike, but they will come as witnesses. Then we'll have witnesses at a fight, you know, like at a school, at a ball game, in any public place where people are gathered. If there's a fight, you can always have witnesses, persons who have seen and heard what was going on. I thought about the Olympics. We all like to witness the, uh, the different games that happen at the Olympics. We witness it from our, uh, our living room. Usually, I don't know what one person personally who has actually personally attended the Olympics. I had a supervisor who went up to Calgary back in the 1980s, I guess, late 80s. Um, to attend the winter games. But when we sit and watch our television, we watch the, the uh, track meets, we watch the swimming, we watch the skiing in the winter time, we become witnesses of who won the gold medal and the silver medal and the bronze. And then the races, a race of any kind will always have a track full of witnesses, horses. Uh, the Kentucky Derby was um, held the first weekend in May and people gathered at, uh, in Louisville, Kentucky from all over the place. Car races will always have people gathered around the track. Many times they may make a wager, but other times they're just there to cheer on their favorite driver, but when the person who first crosses or the horse that first crosses the finish line, 
there's always going to be witnesses of who won that event. The pericope today includes the witness of one man named Peter and the salvation of another man, one that God has chosen, not man's choice, but God has chosen. And his name is Cornelius. Peter before Christ ascended was called back to the ministry because he and some of the other disciples had gone fishing. Now, when Jesus first called the different brothers and the different men to the discipleship to be trained, Jesus said, I will make you fisher of men. So I looked at the various kinds of fish that they probably were catching when Jesus met them at the Sea of Galilee on the shore of Galilee after he had sent them word of his resurrection. I saw that tilapia was on the list. There was, uh, I think, cod. There was salmon on the list. And these were just in the Sea of Galilee. When I was a little girl, we had what was called the Buffalo River. And that river actually had buffalo, what was called buffalo fish in it. It had catfish and what my uncles used to call brim. But they were then fishing for food. What we're going to talk about tonight is how God has prepared us like he did the disciples to be fisher of men because we are witnesses. Now, Cornelius is the second person in this uh, pericope this evening. And Cornelius is a Gentile. In fact, he was a Roman soldier, a centurion, if you will. That meant that he was over 100 men, but he feared God. He prayed just like the Jews did, and he gave alms. He helped the poor. Now, this set Cornelius out among all the rest because he accepted the God of the Jews. While Cornelius prayed, one day God, had, God sent Peter, who was asleep, a dream. So Cornelius was praying while Peter was getting the dream. Both men became players in the beginning of the worldwide church through the dream that Peter received and through the instructions that Cornelius received to send for Peter. Cornelius had just gotten chosen by God. I want y'all to hear this because it just really blessed me and it showed me the power of God and that we don't have to be doing anything special. We don't have to be in a special place for God to set his eyes on us and decide I want her or him for my service. And so because of Cornelius's faithfulness to God and to God's people, God decided to start the Christian church by bringing this Gentile into the family of God. So Peter was up on the roof waiting for the people in the house to get food ready. And he goes into a trance or a dream, if you will. He said while in the dream, he saw 
a sheet, a sheet come down and the sheet was filled with, with animals of all different kinds. And God told him to not call what he called clean, unclean, because Peter was given the instructions to slay and eat, meaning he could take his pick of any animal in that sheet and not have to worry about displeasing God. Peter said he saw that action three times in the dream. At the same time, Cornelius was being given instructions to send his men to Joppa, which is where Peter was, to ask for Peter to come and talk to him about salvation. So it happened just like they were instructed. Peter was told that a man was coming. And when they got there, the Lord just spoke to Peter and says, these are the men I told you about. There were three men. So I saw that correlation. There were three times that God let the sheep down in the dream that was filled with animals of all different kinds. Now there are three men at the door. Those three men were probably being significantly recognized in the dream. Peter went with Cornelius, and I want y'all to remember who Peter was now. Peter is the man who denied Christ. He's the man who went back to the uh, fishing. He left the ministry after he denied Christ, but he was sorely, sorely repentant. But before that, Peter was the man who made the statement, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus came right back and said, flesh and blood could not have revealed that unto you. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The significant thing about Peter making that statement and, and Jesus's response is that Peter was the one who was used after the denial and after the reinstitution by Jesus himself into the ministry. He was the one who preached the first message when the Holy Ghost fell and 3,000 people were saved that day. Peter's next assignment is to bring or to open up the eyes of the Gentiles to the reality that God will accept them in the church of the living God. Now, the, the Gentiles had some real problems from the Jews because the Gentiles had their own way of worship. They had they worshiped multiple gods. They were freer in their in their behavior. And so the Jews didn't want to be bothered with them. Kind of sounds like today. In fact, I was drawn, I mean, I just almost was breathless yesterday when I heard the decision of the Supreme Court regarding affirmative action in education. I thought that's a prime example of what I'll be talking about tomorrow. God did know what he was talking about, what he was doing. The, the decision of the affirmative action essentially reversed the preferential, preferential treatment given to people of color when it came to what used to be all white educational systems or institutions. And so when affirmative action came into place, before affirmative action came into place, let me put it that way, before segregation, there was separation 
according to color. The only thing about that separation is that those who were of the white race, it seemed got the best. They got the best books, they got the best teachers, the teachers got the best pay, they had the best buildings. Consequently, they had best, the best education. And it showed up in test scores, it showed up in college entrance exams. College entrance exams found that people of color didn't usually score as well on those tests. And the doors to higher education in many of the best institutions were closed to them. And it remained closed because of the prejudices that were being allowed. So after the affirmative action came into play, it took away some of the choices um, that the predominant and more elite institution, uh, education institutions had in terms of eliminating Af uh, people of color that applied to their institutions, to their colleges. And so the decision made on yesterday, many people say it's totally reversed the fact that now people of color, it, it took away the choices, let me put it that way, um, that people of color would have in terms of making applications with the belief that they would be accepted into the educational institution of their choice. And this was kind of the way it was with the, with the Gentiles. I, I read from the Bible that the Gentiles would go to church or wherever the, the Christians were gathering, they would go too because they wanted to hear about God. They wanted to hear about Jesus and what happened at Calvary. They were not as accepted. They were not as welcomed because they didn't look like the Jews. They didn't act like the Jews. They did not have the same kind of spiritual prowess, if you will, as the Jews. And so they were not as accepted like the Jews. I'll tell you a story that I heard. I actually read it, personally read it, about Gandhi. Gandhi was the one who received the um, Nobel Peace Prize because he was a man of peace. But Gandhi was a Hindu. He lived a different life, a different religious life. Except for one thing, Gandhi began to study the Bible. And like King Agrippa, unlike King Agrippa, Gandhi became convinced that he wanted to become a Christian. And so it says that he got up one morning, came to the church that he had decided he would join and got stopped at the door by the usher. Gandhi was dressed in his, in his um, ethnic costume. And the usher it recognized immediately that he didn't look like everybody else. And so she stopped him and he said, well, ask him why was he there? And he says, I'm, you know, I, I want to come in and, and go to church. And she said, but this, this isn't where you belong. You need to go with your own people. He says, but I want to go to church here. And she just argued with him at the door, refusing to let him in. And as he began to walk away, he said to that woman, I plan to become a Christian 
today, but you have changed my mind. So you see, we don't ever know who is seeking the God of our salvation. We don't ever know whose heart has been opened to receive the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And on this particular day, God decided to override everybody's will. He decided to override whatever the Jews had to say about Cornelius and his household becoming a Christian. <clears throat> when Peter got to Cornelius's house, there was a gathering. Peter told the story of Jesus over and over to the Gentiles. So today was no different. He began to tell the story. He told them how they witnessed the crucifixion, how they witnessed the resurrection and actually ate with Jesus before the ascension. I saw three reasons why God sent Jesus as he was talking as I went back and read through the scriptures to Israel, but not just to Israel, this time also to the world. The first reason was to bring peace. That's what Peter explained to them, that Jesus brought peace to the world. In fact, the prophet Isaiah told us that he would be called the Prince of Peace, that the, um, in Isaiah 53, it says the punishment necessary to give us peace was upon Jesus just for us. The second reason that God would have sent Jesus to Israel and to the world. Notice I'm, I'm adding the world in because it didn't matter what the color, it didn't matter what the race, it didn't matter what the ethnicity was, it didn't matter what part of town they lived in, what they wore or how much food they had on their table. Everyone was invited. He didn't even worry about inst educational institutions, what, whether it was the, the ones for the elite or the junior colleges for those who, could be, who barely had enough. God wanted everyone to know about Jesus. So the second reason that God sent Jesus was so that the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the power of God would be displayed. Peter talked about what happened to Jesus after he came up out of the Jordan. You might notice that it was only then that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. He was coming down to give Jesus power to carry out the rest of the assignment. Baptism apparently was Jesus's own choice, but the rest was up to God. So with the anointing, Jesus went about healing the sick. He went about raising the dead. Jesus delivered from demons, not just a, a grown man, but also a little girl. Jesus was so powerful, you'll remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood who came through the crowd saying, if I would but touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be made whole. Jesus fed 5,000 men and women and children besides with two fish and five loaves of bread. But what we were told is that Jesus held that, that those, uh, that food up to God. And he asked God to bless it. We'll remember at the resurrection of Lazarus, which was actually the last real miracle that Jesus performed. When he went to the tomb to call Lazarus up out of the, from the dead, he raised his eyes to heaven, the Bible told us. And he said, Father, for the benefit of those who don't believe. Well, at that time, the, not even his sisters believed that Lazarus would be raised that day. 
Mary said that I'm sure he'll be raised at the resurrection. But Jesus said to her real quickly, I am the resurrection and the life. What they were missing was the Holy Spirit's power. The same spirit, the word tells us, that raised Jesus from the dead was about to raise Lazarus so that others might believe when Jesus got up out of the grave. And then the last reason that I saw that God would have sent Jesus to Israel and to the world is for the remission of sin that comes to all who believe in his name. Notice that I said what I, I, uh, Jesus said to God at, at Lazarus' tomb. He says, Father, for the benefit of those who don't believe. Jesus knew when he went there. In fact, we're told that he deliberately delayed going to Lazarus when he got word that Lazarus was sick. He had made the statement that this is for, the, uh, for God to be glorified. And when he made his way, we understand that Lazarus had been dead for four days. And he did not, Jesus was not concerned. He did weep, but we're told that he wept because of the unbelief of the people. But what happened after Jesus released the power of God? Now we're told that if Jesus hadn't, hadn't called Lazarus by name, that everybody who was in that tomb would have gotten up. That's how much power went in to bring Lazarus out. And as I talk, I hope that you're beginning to see a glimmer of the kind of power that's on, on the inside of us, but also that's working on our behalf in the earth. It doesn't feel like that power is doing too much when we're hurting in our bodies. It doesn't seem like God has heard us or is there, he's even listening sometimes when we cry out in the night or when we roll and toss because we can't sleep because of what's happening to us. But there's power in us. And it's the power of God that the enemy wants to drive out of us. <clears throat> and it's the power of God that's determined to stay until he finishes the work and Jesus comes again. So the proof of God's actions to Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension came to those who were chosen to be witnesses. Jesus had told them, go to the upper room and there I need you to wait or tarry until the Holy Ghost comes. And then he told them, you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes and he will make you witnesses. And when you get the power and become a witness, he told them where to go. I want you to start in Jerusalem, then go to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And according to Matthew 28, 19 and 20, that, that commission is still in, 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 in operation. It has not expired. It is still what God desires. And that is that we will become witnesses, that we would go and make disciples, telling them about Jesus. And so we are the chosen witnesses. I received the letter way back, boy, in the early 2000s, after I had become a target. And that letter says, to the selected witnesses. And I was thinking, who, why would they send this to me? You know, we are witnesses 
of the cruelty that is being done to humanity. But more than that, we're witnesses of the power of God at work in a believer. We're witnesses of those who will not stop, will not give up, will not sit down, will not shut up, and we will not quit believing in the God of our salvation. We're witnesses to the fact that God can heal and he will, that God can save and he does. We're witnesses to the fact that Jesus is alive. He's alive today and he'll be alive forevermore. And because Jesus lives, we will live forever, just like God has promised. And so our commission from God was to make disciples by sharing the good news of the gospel. And we are to get the word out, not just about torture, but about Jesus. And that's the most important part of being chosen by God. The first thing we've got to do is share the good news of the gospel. We've got to tell people that the Savior has come and he's coming back again. You know, there are still those who are waiting for the Messiah to come the first time. They really did miss his visitation. We have to continue to tell people who we come across that there is a Savior and he's still healing. He's still feeding. He is still delivering. But now he's doing it through us. He is feeding people through our hands. He's visiting the sick and those who are in prison through our feet and through our efforts. He's giving water to the thirsty by the hands that we use when we reach, it, reach out a bottle of water or share a dollar for a bottle. But the good news is that when the Savior came into my life, he changed me so that I would want to do those things for others. He helps me to share the good news of the gospel, to talk about where I was before Jesus came into my life. It's the good news to say to someone who is down on their luck or maybe losing their faith that if you would just hold on a little longer, he will show up and then grab their hand and begin to pray that with the same power that God gives us when we pray with one another so that they can also feel the power of God moving on the inside. The second thing we wanted to, I want you to know about being chosen by God is we're chosen to be conformed into Jesus's image. Second Corinthians 3.18 is my, one of my favorite scriptures. And it says, as we look into the mirror of the word, we'll change from glory to glory into the image of Jesus Christ. The word is the mirror that we look in that tells us what we're supposed to look like when we walk away. It's nothing you can do to change the way you look on the outside or on the inside. But I promise you, if you keep looking in the mirror of the word, if you keep going to the scripture, if you keep quoting them over yourself, if you walk through your house and read the word of God, if you sit and listen to the word of God, you're going to find change happening. That change is going to happen first on the inside because the spirit of the living God will begin to perk up on the inside of you. The spirit of the living God will begin to make you walk with your head up and 
square your shoulders and stick your chest out. Tell yourself I'm somebody because the spirit of God lives in me. I'm not better than my sisters or my brothers, but I'm not junk because God didn't make any junk when he put his spirit on the inside of me. And so we are studying on our, in our weekly Bible study from the book Conformed into His Image by Ken Boa. And we're having a wonderful time of having our spiritual formation renewed. We are intending to look even more like Christ by the end of this study than we did at the beginning. And I invite you to join us on Thursday nights. And then the third thing we were chosen for was to help others to grow, to trust God, to rely on the Holy Spirit, and to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. We have to begin to sometimes show others that God can be trusted. And we may show them by sometimes reminding them of where we were without a job, without a friend. Uh, children messing up, husband not doing the things that he should do, but God stepped in. And I had to maintain my trust in God until the changes began to happen. And in trusting God, I had to rely on the Holy Spirit, who is my helper, because all too often I would forget and try to fix it myself. The Holy Spirit will be the one to tap me on the shoulder and say, aren't you supposed to be waiting on God? And then I'd have to sit down. One of our, our uh, prayer members who comes in the morning prayer, <clears throat> one morning she was praying and she kept saying, help, Lord, help, Lord. <clears throat> and I kept saying, yes, Lord, help, help, Lord. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is our helper. He knows his job. And so when we just release his hands, sometimes we have them tied. He can do his work. I don't know about you all, but sometimes when I take my car to get it repaired, I want to keep walking to the door and check to see if the man's still working. If my car isn't ready yet. <clears throat> and it doesn't always help for me to keep going to the door to look. Because he doesn't work any faster. He still works at the pace that is necessary for him to make sure that my car is safe to drive when he gives it back to me. That's the way the Holy Spirit does, believe it or not. When we are in need of being repaired, the Holy Spirit is going to do the job just like God instructed. He's not going to move too soon and he's not going to lag behind. But what needs to be accomplished in our life so that we can shine all the brighter, so that we can proclaim the word of God all the clearer, so that we would be strengthened all the more. The Holy Spirit is going to take care of that, and he's going to do it right on time. And the reason we're being fixed up is so that we can help others to come to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. The Bible is chock full of good testimonies, services, testimonies of what happened in others' lives before God, before Jesus showed up or before God showed up. I wouldn't dare hesitate to go back and tell them about Joseph and the, and the jealous brothers. Heard a message this morning, y'all, would just stir you up because the man was talking about the pit doesn't stop the promise. Well, we can tell others about that 
You may be in a pit today, but it doesn't stop the promise of God to save you if you just put your trust in Jesus Christ. You might not feel like that Goliath is going to fall when you throw out that rock from the slingshot, but if you'll let God be in the midst of it, if you'll let him give it power, and that you can get by trusting in Jesus, then that Goliath, that giant will fall. You won't have to face him all of your life. You may be one with a disease that the doctors has called a terminal for you, but I tell you what, I trust him like the woman with the issue of blood. I push my way through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment and see if he does not recognize that I've come to get my healing. I'm telling you, y'all, we can be full of testimony. We should never be at a loss for words when it comes time to help others to come to trust and to place their faith in Jesus Christ. Absolutely, we want to tell them that he he was born and in a laid in a manger, that he was born with a promise on his life. And the promise was that at the end of his life, we were going to know what new life is about. We were going to know how eternal life could be ours. He did indeed was betrayed by one of his own and he died on a cross. He did do all of that. He, he But the word says he gave up the ghost. He they literally couldn't take it from him. And he was, but he was resurrected on the third day, just like he said. And then came the ascension 50 days later. One of the things that got me so excited about the ascension, you all, is this whole event is being reported by Luke, who was a physician. Luke was a Gentile physician, nonetheless. He was not part of the Hebrew people, but Luke was a physician. So Luke knew what a dead body looked like, and he could tell what a living body looked like and beyond that god allowed luke to give the the story of when jesus was born he knew what an immaculate birth was because i'm sure he'd heard the, the rumors about mary and even though he may not have been around at that point when he started collecting the information they told him about this virgin girl who was betrothed to a man named joseph and how she came up with a baby and nobody knew how she got it he knew there was an immaculate birth. Being a physician helped him to understand that. But after the death and after the resurrection, being a physician helped Peter to, I mean, helped Luke to know that something, a miraculous event has taken place. This man's heart stopped beating. This man's blood ran out of his body. Somebody saw it. There were witnesses. God made sure he had witnesses to every epiphany that happened during the time of Jesus' stay on earth. He made sure that there were two or three witnesses to everything he did, to every miracle that was performed whenever there was something that happened that men and women knew could not have happened at the hand of a man. Jesus needed, a God needed witnesses, and he made sure that Jesus had as many as he needed. And so we go on, and we believe, and because we believe we can share the good news of the gospel with others. And I'm telling you, y'all, you can be as excited as I am right now if you would just let the Holy Spirit have his way. Now, there is a song that we used to sing when I was in school. We 
in, in elementary school and, and even up until the school closed, each class would go to the office in the morning and leave the, leave the school, the whole school in, in devotion. And so there were songs that were sang that became dear to all of us because of the lyrics that, that they were. And this particular one is so, so important and so special to me. I wanted to share it with you as we think about being witnesses. And it says some folk would rather have houses and land. Some folk choose silver and gold. These things they treasure and forget about their soul. But I've decided to make Jesus my choice, just like Cornelius. And the second verse says, these clothes may be ragged that I'm wearing. Heavy is the load that I'm bearing. These burdens that I'm carrying, I've decided in spite of that to make Jesus my choice. And the course was always so good and we would sing it several times. The road is rough. Isn't it rough for us right now? The going gets tough and the hills are hard to climb. I started out a long time ago, but there's no doubt in my mind. I have decided to make Jesus my choice. If nothing else, you could share with them the words to that song. Tell them why you decided to make Jesus your choice. And the end of this passage, once Peter got through sharing that story, we're told that the Holy Spirit fell on all of them who were there. Actually, before Peter opened his mouth, the Holy Spirit fell on them, filled them with the Holy Spirit. The Gentiles were speaking in other tongues, just like they did in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. God needed to do that so that the Jews would see that he could accept who he wanted. He could feel who he wanted, and he would send the Holy Spirit to everybody who would honor him as God and call on the name of Jesus Christ. So the end of the passage tells us that the Holy Spirit failed, Cornelius, his family, and his household got saved. They all got the sign that God did accept Gentiles in the beloved, not by the laying on of hands or saying some special prayer, not by tarrying until the Holy Spirit came, but, by, but because God said, go, and the Holy Spirit went. It was not circumcision of their flesh that made them eligible. It was the condition of their heart that received and believed. The gift of the Holy Spirit fell on them and they all spake in tongues and magnified God. That's in the Bible, y'all. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that tongues are for the unbelievers. Because when they were speaking in tongues in the upper room, it said that there were others Gentiles around and possibly some Jews who spoke in other languages and those who were, be, who were filled with the Holy Spirit were speaking in their language, in the language of the unbelievers. And it says that's why, uh, that's the purpose of tongues in the public settings. 
they might become believers when they recognize the miracle of someone else speaking in their language and yet they know that they do not have the capacity to do this. But then Paul also talked about prophecy and he said prophecy is for the believers. Yet Paul stated that though he did speak in tongues, he said his advice was to desire rather than to prophesy so that everyone could understand the instructions or the encouragement. At the beginning of chapter 13, this was in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, but at the beginning of chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians, Paul had something to say as he began to tell us how love acts. He had also discussed that love is the most important virtue of a Christian. He tells us what love does and what love doesn't. He told us how love acts and how love doesn't act. And he said, you can have, you could speak with all kinds of tongues, but if you don't have love, you, 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 you have nothing. We're going to talk more about uh, the fulfillment or the spirit-filled life in our Bible study starting this next Thursday night. So you all come and join us for three weeks. We're going to be unpacking what God in the Bible had to say about the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and how he acts among the, among the Christians. That's certainly something that we want you to do is to join us. But the important part of all that I've said today is that Peter and the disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit to become witnesses for Jesus Christ. They weren't told to go and sit around and talk in tongues the rest of the day. They weren't told that they were better than anyone else. They weren't told that they were now the, the most elite and they didn't have to fool with the rest of them. God says, you need to go everywhere. I want you to start at home, but then I want you to go out in the county and through the state. And then I want you to go to the half-breeds, those who are, who are part of part, your, your half-sisters and your brothers. I want them too. And then God said, to the uttermost part of the world, we are witnesses. We are witnesses and we should not meet a stranger. Everyone is a potential family member. And we can invite them in as we witness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.